Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello and welcome to The Beacon Podcast. I'm Dr. Lilia Wagner, your host for today's discussion with Dr. David Patrick King. David is a Karen Lake Buttrey Director at the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at Indiana University's Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and Associate Professor of Philanthropic Studies at the school. Today, he will talk to us about the Institute on Faith and Giving and what faith-based giving looks like right now. During his time at Indiana University, David has worked to build the field of religion and philanthropy through interdisciplinary research collaborations and has expanded critical reflections on the field. As an American religious historian, his research interests include exploring how the religious identity of faith-based nonprofits shapes their motivations, rhetoric, and practice. And since I'm a preacher's kid, I have been interested in this for a long time and was privileged to be working at the School of Philanthropy when this was established. David is also the author of the recent book, God's Internationalists, World Vision and the Age of Evangelical Humanitarianism. Welcome, David. Thanks, Lilia. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, one question that I know people have asked me as I, over all these years, frequently talk about the Lake Institute, why would a secular public university and such a large one have such a prestigious center for faith and giving? That's a great question. I think it is quite unusual. A school of philanthropy itself is quite unusual. You know, at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, we oftentimes joke that we're the best school of philanthropy in the world because in some ways we're one of the only schools of philanthropy in the world. But the Lake Institute housed within the School of Philanthropy, I think, is unique. We have a number of, of sister institutes within the school, whether we're focused in on women's uh, philanthropy, um, diverse philanthropy, our colleagues at the fundraising school who do a lot of professional development training. Lily, I know you've had extensive experience in, in most of those areas of our work. But you know, working within faith and giving in particular, the Lake Institute does work across faith traditions. And so I think we have some uh, distinct ability to, to do that within a public university and, and really grateful for Indiana University understanding the role that religion plays in the field of giving, volunteering and in our public lives together. We've always prided ourselves at Lake Institute, as well as working across traditions, working deeply within particular traditions. So in our teaching and training, our research, our public understanding, we really work in partnership with, with really understanding the unique context of those faith-based leaders uh, with which we work. So we're, we're really proud of that and really glad to be able to do that within uh, a big state university like Indiana. Uh, thank you. Now, I was working at the, at the time it was a center of philanthropy when this was instituted. Very interesting beginnings. Can you give us just a thumbnail sketch of how this center was started? I think you have pretty much addressed the why, but if there are any additional points you want to make. Yeah, well, the Lake Institute was really established. We're just finishing celebrating our 20th anniversary. So for the last 20 years, we've been 
embedded within the Center and now the School of Philanthropy at Indiana University. And we really emerged out of the legacy of Tom and Marjorie Lake, our namesakes at the Lake Institute, and their daughter, Karen Lake Buttry, whose name fits with my directorship as sort of in leading the, the Lake Institute. And the Lake family, Mr. Lake, the twin themes in his life as he worked through his professional career at the Eli Lilly Company and then becoming the, the chair of the board of directors for the Lilly Endowment, one of our key sort of foundations in the United States, but particularly also focused in on religious giving as well. The Lake's twin themes were always faith and their giving. And so out of their legacy, we established uh, the Lake Institute. And my predecessor, Dr. Bill Enright, who is a, the longtime pastor of the Lake family at Second Presbyterian Church there in Indianapolis, retired from, from the pulpit at Second Presbyterian to really shape and form what Lake Institute would, would become. So our first decade, really, Bill Enright set that foundation. And I was lucky enough for him to hand that off to me over this past decade to see how we've been able to kind of grow and, and engage in even broader areas. Thank you. That brings back good memories for me. Now, I have a quick question that I think works well into what you just said. And that is, many of our listeners, no doubt, follow the information from Giving USA. And over the last couple of decades, we have definitely seen a decline in giving to religion, which used to be the biggest share. And then at the same time, we read in literature, the research, that uh, Americans are less religious, consistently less religious. Can you just put that together with the value that this center has before I go on to understanding some of what you do? Yeah, uh, glad to. Those those are some great questions and ones that we spend a lot of our time thinking about. So Giving USA that you referred to points to the fact that re religious giving, giving to religion, continues to be the largest subsector within the charitable giving pie in the United States. And so, you know, really about 27% or so of all giving goes to religious organizations defined narrowly. So giving to religion, the way that the primary purpose is categorized often, you know, basically from, from IRS coding is really giving to congregations, denominations, missionary societies, and religious media. So basically congregations make up the vast, vast majority of what's classified as religious giving. Think about all the other types of nonprofit organizations that you might be aware of, partner with, whether they're, you know, a Catholic Charities or a World Vision, a Salvation Army, a Christian, you know, faith-based healthcare network or school. A lot of those are even classified in different subsectors, social services, international affairs. So even narrowly defined religious giving still makes up uh, the largest share. But to your point, Lilia, it has declined fairly significantly over the past few decades, from upwards of 60% of all giving down to 27% today. We do think that probably, you know, we're still exploring why, but I think one of the, the key pieces is what you mentioned, is declines in religious affiliation, attendance and membership patterns. We know that people of faith give, they give more often, they volunteer more, and they give more to both the religious organizations and to secular ones as well. 
So as religious affiliation and participation rates are changing, it's a good reason that probably why some of those religious giving narrowly defined as congregational giving is declining as well. But I think that opens up the question about what is a faith-based organization? How can faith-based organizations uh, engage with donors as the ground and landscape of uh, giving generally is, is changing? And that's one of the bigger sets of themes that we're really engaged with now at Lake Institute. I would imagine that organizations that we don't classify as faith-based could also benefit from some knowledge about how faith affects a person's giving. I know certainly some of the motivations for giving that we teach at the fundraising school, religious motivation is a big one and not just reserved for faith-based organizations. Would you care to comment on that? Oh, I would completely agree. I, I, I would say that particularly if you're working in a in an organization that has some form of religious identity or activity tied to it, even if it might be a social service, a humanitarian organization, a healthcare network, if you're not attending to those faith-based motivations of a number of your donors and helping them think through how those sets of values and passions might align with your vision, you're missing out. And I would say that's even true for uh, just a completely secular organization and its identity activity. We know that faith-based donors give to all sorts of things. And so if you're ignoring those donors, which still make up the majority of, of donors in America, and really um, miss the chance to tap into their vision and their values, their passions, you're missing a great way to connect with donors. No matter your own comfort level with religious themes or your own organization's uh, particular set of uh, values or purpose, that's something really to nurture and develop because it's an important part of connecting donor and mission of an organization. Thank you. I like the word you used, values. And when we consider fundraising as an exchange of values, certainly this figures into it. In uh, my rather long experience, I have done consulting and, of course, had people in training courses from faith-based organizations and I find that churches in particular tend to eschew the best practices and formal principles we use today because of the belief that God will provide. And sometimes we forget that some of these principles actually are reflected in biblical literature. Would you comment on this trend and is it a valid assumption or is it an anomaly? No, I've met some some of the greatest fundraisers that I know in faith-based organizations. But to your point, I think that the case is often true that, that religious leaders, congregational leaders uh, have some of the richest language, practices, traditions for how they can appeal to faithful giving, uh, but oftentimes leave that aside. Probably most, most often because they're fearful or afraid of the idea of talking about money and fundraising. Most often they don't have the training, the skills developed. And sometimes there's maybe a distaste of wanting to talk about money. But I think the, the point there is that faith-based organizations have some of the richest language and traditions built in to our religious traditions. And so I think anyone who has a great skill set to be a religious leader or to be you know, reflective about one's own faith practice 
can ask just the right discerning questions about listening to donor, what they care about, what their values are, and think about that alignment. I don't disagree uh, as a person of faith in myself that God will provide, but I do think God uh, gives us those th those skills to uh, have sort of an active engagement and do our part in partnering on that work. And so moving beyond a passive relationship and, and hope that resources will show up into sort of digging into the work that I think we all are called to do uh, for our organizations and alongside donors. Well, I can't help but throw in that cliche we've all heard a lot, God helps those who help themselves. And I think that it is attributed actually to an atheist, I'm not sure, but that would be interesting. In view of what you just uh, addressed, can you give us a brief summary of how your center can help anyone, but particularly faith-based organizations? This kind of circles back to what we started with. Yeah, I mean, Lake Institute would love to be a partner with, with anybody who's working at, at that intersection. And I mean, one of the best places uh, to probably encounter or engage with us is go into our website, lakeinstitute.org. Uh, and you'll get a picture of the research, the education work, and the public engagement work that we seek to do. What we hope to do is oftentimes offer some of the best research or curate some of we know and can find about what's happening with religion and philanthropy. To your point, Lilia, about these trends are changing. What do we know about motivations? What do we know about faith-based organizations? We, we've put in a lot of effort and in, in to try to bring that together and translate it for the practitioner so we can take some of those findings and put them to use. Uh, but I would say one of our best places is to engage with us in some of our professional development training. So like our colleagues at the fundraising school, we offer uh, an executive certificate in religious fundraising, which is a course that we do uh, in a hybrid form online and in person, but, but oftentimes now in our post-COVID world in cohort models online. And so over the course of about eight weeks with uh, an investment of you know, one or two hours a week as a part of an online cohort, you can engage those particular practices of fundraising, but with the context of what it means uh, to do that work in a faith-based organization. We actually have some scholarship support available, so you'll find that on the website. Um, the other thing would be to sign up for, for our newsletter, Insights, a bi-weekly newsletter, again, right there on that website or follow us on, on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling that now, along with LinkedIn and Facebook, at Lake Institute. But what we hope to do there that's new for us is create what we think of as a resource library. So not only can you sign up for one of our courses, our newsletter, but that we have a number of tools there that you can download, you can search through themes, uh, keywords, whether it's an online multimedia resource, it could be like a, a Bible study, uh, a sort of a tool to start a conversation with your board or your leadership team uh, so that you can have those just whenever you need them, you know, free to access and download uh, because we want to build a community around these topics. And so oftentimes we're scattered in the work that we do in this space. And so finding peers and colleagues is super important. And that's really one of the main reasons that we exist is to better our understanding of these topics and work together for sort of that growth of generosity. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of our allotted time. Thank you so much, Dr. King, for finding the time to be with us. 
It has definitely been a topic of great interest to me, as I mentioned. Also because being a preacher's kid, but in addition to having been there when it was established, we are very grateful to you. Do you have any final short words of wisdom and how we can connect with you? Well, maybe short on wisdom, but I am grateful for uh, the, the opportunity to be engaged and, and to share with, with our listeners here and Lilia, particularly for you, who've been a leader on this topic and, and have helped connect me and Lake Institute in so many ways. So grateful for our relationship and friendship, but also all those who are doing this work. I, I hope you, that you would seek us out. You can find you know my email and ways to contact me there. I'd look forward to being in conversation with anyone. Uh, who's thinking about these topics and and please feel free to reach out the school of philanthropy and lake institute would love to continue to be a resource working at this intersection of uh, faith and giving thank you very much dr king i'm sure our listeners will find this useful and we'll be contacting you and thank you everyone for listening i'm dr lilia wagner and we hope to see you next time on a beacon podcast Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.